You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Chris and Nick Show here on Big Blue View Radio. I am one of the hosts, Nick Filato, joined, as always, by Chris Flum. And Chris and I are here to do a free agency primer for the New York Giants. Look, there are a lot of important free agents for the New York football giants heading into this free agent period. And Chris, we're just going to kick it off right away with obviously the most important decision for the New York football giants. And that is, do they retain Matt Breida? (laughs) Yeah, and that is a potentially significant decision. And yeah, we. This is obviously early. The NFL playoffs are still going on. Free agency doesn't open until March fifteenth, so we've got over a month to, you know, kick this around. Uh, teams will have plenty of time to talk to agents and everything. But we we wanted to talk about the important guys like Matt Breida, like Nick Gates, like Darius Slayton, and really get you all ready for the discussions, the arguments that are to come. And, you know, Matt Breed is a good place to start, both position-wise and alphabetically. <laughs> Definitely alphabetically, right? And as is Saquon Barkley, who comes before him alphabetically. And we will be discussing Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley on the second half of this podcast. But I think we should start here with Matt Breda, who made a million and one million point one eight last season. So not a lot, right? He's a 27-year-old running back who has a history with Brian Dable. And we do not know what the Giants are going to do with the running back position. Is Saquon Barkley going to be back? Is he not? That is going to be a question that surrounds the entire Giants offseason. But in terms of Matt Breida, this is a player who was effective when the Giants decided to use 21 personnel, when the Giants decided to spell Saquon Barkley. Matt Breida ended up having 220 yards on the ground, averaged 4.1 yards per carry with one rushing touchdown, but added 20 catches for 118 yards and some of those came in big situations and I appreciated the juice and the explosiveness and the burst that he had and I think he also had deceptively good vision and he found just these little creases that he could slide his smallish frame through at an adequate rate so when I'm discussing Matt Breed if he wants to come back on a similar contract and I don't know if he would at 27 years old I'm certainly open to it because he seems to mesh well with what Brian Dable wants to do yeah, he, he really does. And it, part of the things you hear about, you know, running backs don't matter. That's not exactly true. However, you can basically create production for running backs. And Matt Breida is almost the perfect runner for that. Like he is a fantastic number two back. He can do pretty much anything you want him to. As you said, he can find creases. He can find holes. He can keep the chains moving and the offense moving forward. He can also catch the ball. He can pass protect. And it seemed like any time he was on the field, the Giants were picking up positive yardage. They might not have been explosive plays, but they were at the very least making a profit while he was on the field. And 
I honestly would have liked to have seen him get a larger role within the Giants offense and not just in the 21 personnel pony package. I wouldn't have minded seeing him get whole series or even whole quarters to himself. And yeah, I'm with you. I wouldn't mind him being back on a, you know, $1.2 million contract, even go up to 1.5. Cause I, he's still young enough. He doesn't have a tremendous amount of wear on his body. Like you said, he, he didn't get a ton of run this past season. So he should be relatively fresh for 2023. Yeah. I wouldn't want him to spell Barkley that much, but give him a couple plays here and there. And I'm definitely open to it. And if Barkley is not back, he could come in and be a nice compliment. My one thing with Brita just dating back to his time in San Francisco, is he tends to get injured when you give him a bigger workload. And that's something that I think I, I fear if he were to ever assume that. But if Barkley is not with the New York Giants next year and the Giants do retain Matt Breida, there's no mistake about it. Breida would not be, okay, we're going into week one with Matt Breida as our starting quarterback. He's always the compliment guy, but I appreciate that compliment. Yeah, certainly. He, he's a guy who is at his best as a part of a running back rotation. And there is a lot to be said about using an active rotation at running back where you can mix and match skill sets and rotate guys on and off, keep them all fresh throughout the game and throughout the season. And then we have these two interior offensive linemen I want to talk about. And one, I feel like embodies what it means to be a New York football giant. The other one deemed himself a scumbag, which I really appreciate. And of course, that is Nick Gates, and John Feliciano. Both are free agents right now. And everything that Nick Gates will start there, everything that he's been through, Chris, throughout his entire career and how he overcame that gruesome leg injury in week two of the 2021 season. And he was able to start for the Giants this year. That is a story that everybody can get behind. That is a story that everyone can support. And when he's out there, He's adequate, right? Like he's a solid player. He's not in a, I wouldn't say he's an excellent offensive lineman, but he can be a starting offensive lineman in the NFL. But I'm curious as to which direction Joe Shane and Brian Dable will go in and what the market would be like for a player of Nick Gates caliber who has the type of versatility that Nick Gates has. So what's your opinion on Gates? Yeah, I, I, I think Gates is the type of player you want on your team. He is, I think, almost the ideal sixth man on your offensive line because he can play guard. He can play center. Now I'm not sure if you really want him out there playing tackle, but he, he could probably handle a rep or two at tackle. If your right tackle shoe comes off or something like that. Yeah. He's got that versatility. He's got that grit and just bloody mindedness to his game. We even saw the Giants work him onto the field when he was first coming back as a jumbo tight end, you know, for super heavy packages. That kind of versatility is very, very important for an offensive line because you only have so many spots active on a game day. And if you can have a depth piece who can come in and start if necessary, or play multiple, you know, play every down at three positions, not at the same time, obviously, but you know what I mean? That is, that is a tremendous advantage for your team. Yeah. 
I'm not sure what the market would bear. I feel like Gates is one of those players where his value is highest to the Giants, both because of the fact he knows this offense, he knows the blocking scheme, he knows everybody on the offensive line. They've got that chemistry, all of that, and everything he has been through, everything he means to the locker room. John Feliciano, I think if you had asked me this question four months ago, I think I would have said, okay, that was a fun experiment. He's probably a nice guy, but let's move on. At 30 years old, I'm not sure you want to give him a long contract, but I think a decent, yeah, a decent low-end starting center contract is fine for him because he did work his way up in the rankings for centers as far as pass protection goes. Yeah, he still has his issues with you know powerful nose tackles head up, but a lot of centers do. As far as being that kind of scumbag in the middle, he definitely has that. And I think that does help him out in pass protection. He's not going to be creating a ton of movement in run blocking. And that's kind of okay because the Giants have a very diverse running scheme. But I I feel like it's that's a position the Giants can upgrade. But having Feliciano there as a just-in-case, you know, just-in-case you don't get a great center falling to you in the draft or just in case a top center, it just isn't there on the free agent market. You could do worse than John Feliciano. We know that because the Giants have done worse. (laughs) They have done worse. I am open to bringing both of these individuals back, but I don't necessarily want either to be the starter. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. If John Feliciano starts for the Giants, that's fine. You could do a lot worse than John Feliciano. But I've been a proponent of the Giants finding a long-term center for a while. I know you have, Chris. I know a lot of Giant fans have. So I would like that to be rectified if the talent is there to be drafted at a certain point, if the value is there. I would love for the Giants to upgrade that center position. And as for Gates... I think Ben Bredesen might give you a little bit more than Nick Gates as of right now. And I don't know if the Giants will ultimately bring him back, but everything that you said about his character and what he means to this team rings true. And I think that is important to this Brian Dable coach team. So I'm hoping Nick Gates is back. And if he is, he can start. I In an idealistic world, I would like an upgrade at left guard and center. I think Bredesen could be that upgrade. But regardless of the fact, Both of these guys, I feel like, fit in well here in New York. It's just going to come down to money, and I don't think other teams are going to be looking to break the bank on either of those two. No, absolutely not. And I think that is is a key point you made. It's like, for any of these guys, like the Giants don't have, at least in the first half that we're talking about, any marquee free agents. So nobody is going to be breaking the bank for Matt Breida or Nick Gates or John Feliciano or Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard, Richie James, or Marcus Johnson. Everybody has a price and each of these guys, there is a price at which it is 100% fine to bring them back. Then you got to look at the wide receiver position because the wide receiver position is kind of a huge question mark. Right now, Wando Robinson is coming off of a torn ACL. Kenny Galladay might not be on the team. And even if he is because he's paid way too much money, he's not going to have an impact when it matters most. 
then you have players who are free agents too. You have Sterling Shepard coming off of a torn ACL. You have Darius Slayton, who took a pay cut at the beginning of the year and almost didn't make the roster. You have Richie James, who is 27 years old, who was your slot receiver and did, I would say, a pretty solid job overall. Then you have Marcus Johnson. All four of those guys are free agents. And when you look at the Giants wide receiver room right now, there's not a lot of talent that isn't injured or isn't a free agent. So I think we should probably start with Darius Slayton. Look, Darius Slayton was a guy who would not have made this football team if he did not take that pay cut. And I don't think he had a catch until like week four of the season, but then he became the Giants, I would say probably most reliable receiver other than Isaiah Hodgins, who is not included in this because he is an exclusive rights free agent, but that is another technically free or technical free agent right there. But Darius Slayton had 46 catches for 724 yards and two touchdowns. He averaged 15.7 yards per catch in this offense that did not have a lot of explosive plays. And I think that's a valuable trait, a valuable asset. So what are your opinions of Darius Slayton in a wide receiver situation that looks a little barren right now? Do you think the Giants will look to bring him back on like a short-term deal that might have some incentives in it. So if he hits those incentives, it can really pay off for him moving forward. And then he can capitalize in the market maybe a little bit later on because he's only like 25 years old. Yeah, I think that I think that's kind of the right way to go about it. Uh, Spotrack has, for some of these players, an estimated market value. And they set Darius Slayton's market value at $3.5 million or roughly $7 million over two years. And I think that's kind of fair. You look at what Darius Slayton is capable of doing with his speed, with his explosiveness. The Giants really don't have another field stretcher, at least right now. Now, maybe they can go all out in the draft and draft several, several wide receivers or pick up a wide receiver or two in free agency and pick up a wide receiver at the top of the draft and completely remake this wide receiving core but having a guy who is a big play number three is that has value like we've seen what michael gallup can do for the dallas cowboys offense where okay the the offense is not being run through him he's not getting the ball 10 times a game but having someone with the speed a defense has to respect is it, it's very useful for creating opportunities elsewhere on the field for clearing out the short to intermediate area where the Giants offense lived this past year and we really saw that kind of take hold once they got Darius Slayton on the field and then the few explosive plays the Giants did attempt a lot of them came when Slayton was matched up one-on-one middle of the field closed and the safety would have had a hard time getting over to him by the time the ball got there. So all of that is an asset to have like the offensive lineman and Matt Breida. He, he isn't worth breaking the bank over and his drops are absolutely a problem at this point in his career. I'm not sure that's something he can work on and rectify he's going to have to be a player where you understand you're going to throw him the ball and he might not come down with it, but his net, you have to hope there's a net positive to his presence on the field. Slayton just turned 26. 
years old, so he's young, right? And that contract, the $3.5 million a year, I feel like is very fair. That's one that I'm open to. That's just north of what Khalif Raymond is making for the Lions. It's just north of what Traquan Smith is making for the Saints. And it's just south, a little bit considerably south of what Kendrick Bourne makes for the Patriots and Braxton Berrios makes for the Jets. And I think Darius Slayton can offer comparable or more than those specific players to this Giants offense moving forward. Now, that $3.5 million might be a little low. This is just what Spotrack is saying. But if that is the case, then I'm certainly open to it. If it's anything north of that, if we're starting to get into the $6 million per year, I think I'm out. And actually, $6 million is what Braxton Berrios makes. And I, it really depends on what the Giants' plan is for the wide receiver position because, as we said just a little bit ago, it, it doesn't look great right now with all the injuries that they have. But I'd be open to it for that 3.5 number for sure. Yeah. And, and speaking of injuries, we have to talk about Sterling Shepard because he is a guy we both love. Yeah. We both really enjoy watching him play football because just as a technician, he is a fantastic receiver. For a while, he has been one of the best slot receivers in the NFL. The problem is, you know, he had those concussions two years ago. He had the torn Achilles. Now he's got the torn ACL and, you know, He's 29. Just how much juice does he have left? Because he has always been a guy who wins, A, with excellent, excellent route running, and then B, being quicker than anybody who is matched up against him, which allows him to use that route running as a weapon. Yeah. I am honestly not sure the Giants should bring him back. Actually, no, let me qualify that. I think the Giants should bring him back, but bring him back as a coach. <laughs> bring him back as a coach. I mean, I would definitely support that. I don't know where his health is right now. We all know the injuries that he can have. I think he could still, if he's healthy, have some sort of impact on the football field because we know how highly intelligent he is, and we know the the trait that Brian Dable really looks for in these wide receivers, other than just being incredibly athletic and catching the football, is intelligence. So I think he'd fit into the offense from that standpoint. It's just it's going to really come down to health. And if he's open to it, bring him back on like a veteran minimum contract with incentives, right? Similar to Darius Slayton, other than the veteran veteran minimum part. So you can pay him, you know, around one million, a little bit less. I think the vet minimum is is like nine hundred or uh, nine hundred thousand, but I could be I could be wrong there. I could have changed. But either way, bring him back on that if he's open to it, have those incentives built in, and then have him compete if he is healthy enough and if he wants to. But that brings us to Marcus Johnson and Richie James. Look, Marcus Johnson was just the speed threat who the Giants brought on whenever they were running double moves and they wanted to take a vertical shot against a middle-of-the-field closed defense on first down, just try to surprise the team. But it didn't really surprise them because whenever 84 was out there, they're like, oh, this guy doesn't usually play. They only really <laughs> play when they take a shot. So it didn't really work from that standpoint. And I appreciate his speed, but I, I he's more than likely not going to be back, I would imagine. But I think Richie James is more of the interesting individual to talk about. He played on a one-year, just north of $1 million deal. He's 27 years old, and he was very productive. He had his most productive career or year of his career, 57 catches for 569 yards, four touchdowns. Some of those were in garbage time, but it's okay. I feel like he also struggles with drops, kind of, right? We saw that a little bit in the Philadelphia game. We saw it in the Minnesota game when he dropped the third and five. It can be a little frustrating. I appreciate his intelligence as a route runner. He does know where he needs to be at all times, which is very important. And, But I should say he was signed to be a punt returner, right? 
he worked into the lineup because of the injuries. And I feel like he did an adequate job, right? So I'm not 100% certain if Dable's going to want to bring this guy back after he fumbled two punts against Seattle, which prompted him to put Adoree Jackson into the punt returning role, which ended up injuring Adoree Jackson. If they don't really love Richie James as a punter, I don't think they're going to bring him back. What's your say? I think that's fair. I I would be okay if they brought him back on a similar contract as a special teams guy, depth receiver, and then have him compete for a job, which I think is going to be important, that the Giants assemble a strong enough receiving room, receiving room where everybody is competing. I, I don't think anybody, unless the Giants draft a wide receiver in the first round, should be guaranteed a job. Maybe Isaiah Hodgins. But, yeah, I'm right there with you. <laughs> yeah. But I also think, again, kind of like Nick Gates, the Giants could do worse than Richie James as their slot receiver because you have to assume Wondell Robinson will be back. So it's not like James will be playing as big a role. As a depth piece and a special teams guy, again, he's fine. I... I would like to see the Giants upgrade their returners. I would like to see them upgrade their wide receiving core, but depth and having options, those things are are important as well. They absolutely are. So I think it's going to be pretty fascinating to see exactly who the Giants retain. We know that Joe Shane and Brian Dable, they stressed it during their presser, especially Joe Shane. They want to retain the guys that they know because you know their work habits, you know how they practice. And if they practice up to the up to the abilities that Brian Dable approves of, then the Giants will likely want to bring them back if the money works. And obviously there's a market, there's 31 other teams bidding. But I think we should get into the big dogs right there, Chris. But before we do that, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors here at SB Nation. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right, Chris. Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley are both free agents right now. Daniel Jones is coming off of his career year, rushed for over 700 yards, had a really good, I feel like, feel for the offense, really good rhythm within the offense of Mike Kafka and Brian Dable. But now it comes down to the question, what do you pay this man? How do you structure this contract? Let's start with Daniel Jones. What are your thoughts, Chris? Yeah, I Daniel Jones is going to be a fascinating case to watch because I really do feel like his value 
is higher to the New York Giants than to anyone else in the NFL. I feel like he's got more leverage with the Giants than for any of any of the other quarterback needy teams. Yeah, maybe for a, t- a team that is drafting outside of the top ten. Yeah, you he could make a case that you know that to he could make a case for setting up a bidding war for his services, but there is one thing for the Giants that they have that nobody else in the NFL has, and that is John Mara. Yeah, for these two big free agent deals, John Mara will absolutely one hundred percent have a voice, and he will probably have the loudest voice in the room when it comes to Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley, because frankly, he's the boss. He is the owner. It's his name on the checks. And these two guys are probably going to be two of the biggest chunks of money that go under the giant salary cap for 2023. Now, obviously have to figure out what's going on with Kenny Galladay and Leonard Williams, because they are very sizable cap hits themselves but when you get free agent deals of this size and this importance both financially and just culturally the owner is absolutely going to be weighing in and probably have the final say on whatever happens and i honestly would not be surprised at all to see both of these players back with the Giants, at least for the right amount of money. And what that amount of money winds up being is going to be very, very interesting. Uh, We've heard reporting from Ed that the anticipated value around the NFL for Daniel Jones is somewhere around $35 million a year for three to four years. Spotrack, they set their uh, estimated market value for Daniel Jones at about ten million dollars less less than that. They've got him at twenty six point two million dollars per year for three years. And the way they calculated that is they found four quarterbacks who had relatively similar stat lines to what Daniel Jones put up this year. And those two, or those, I'm sorry, those four quarterbacks are Mitchell Trubisky, Ryan Tannehill, Jimmy Garoppolo, and Jameis Winston. And those were the the year prior to them signing their latest deal. And the stat lines are, you know, rushing yards per game aside, pretty darn close. You know, the Jones ha- played on average more snaps per game, but that's because Jameis Winston got hurt. Uh, his passing yards per game wa- was higher, but again, that's because Jameis Winston was kind of injured in and out of the lineup. His passing touchdowns per game was about 30% lower than average for those guys. His interceptions per game was about 20% hot was again about well 20% better. <laughs> His completion percentage was about the same, the 2% difference. He was 2% lower than than those guys on average. His passer rating again 2.5% lower than those guys on average. His rushing yards per game uh 200% higher but you also have Jimmy Garoppolo mixed in there, and he is not known for his rushing acumen. So I, I think the Jones's value to the rest of the NFL might be on the order of those players, but 
where the Giants are in the draft, you know, selecting 25th overall in the first round, they would have to sell the farm to go up and have a chance at Will Levis or Anthony Richardson. There's virtually no chance that they could get Bryce Young or CJ Stroud in this draft. And so that I think that really puts them in a spot where they have to decide where they want to be next year. Do you want to continue to build the team and build around Daniel Jones for two to three years? Or do you want to scrap it all, roll with Tyrod Taylor and a developmental quarterback and you know, just see where you wind up next year? Yeah. You know, that is not an attractive thought after the Giants made the playoffs and won a playoff game. So, yeah, th- that's just kind of a difficult position that they are in from with respect to Daniel Jones's free agency, particularly if he's looking for north of that $35 million a year number. Yeah, a lot to unpack there. So, I don't think Daniel Jones is going to pay $25 million a year. I think it would be north than that. I think John Mara might have, or he will have a say in it for sure, but I don't think he would force his hand onto Joe Shane. I think Joe Shane and Brian Dable like the conscientious nature of Daniel Jones. They like his work ethic. They like how he leads by example. And I think they want him to be the quarterback, but it has to be at the right price. So what is that right price it comes down to? And I think it would be a Jared Goff type of AAV, right? Like a somewhere between Jared Goff and Carson Wentz, which is 33.5 and 32 respectively. I think that's what Daniel Jones is going to look to garner. And I don't know how much you can glean into the, the Spo track numbers that you were discussing because it does not mention or take into account even the rushing yards, which is so important when you're talking about Daniel Jones. It doesn't account for the fact that he won a playoff game against the NFC North winner, which is important. I get it. The Vikings are a little fraudulent, but still they won 13 games and Daniel Jones went into their building with the New York Giants and they defeated them. So I think the coaching staff wants him back. I think it has to be at the right number. I don't think he's going to reset the quarterback market or anything crazy like that. I'm open to bringing him back, but I think you have to, you have to have a contingency in place just in case he doesn't play like he did in 2022, because you can have some kind of out in the contract something that is a little bit team-friendly from that standpoint. Make Daniel Jones prove it again, because I like Daniel Jones, and this is the first time he had somewhat of a stable environment around him. And I say that while acknowledging that his number one wide receiver was a guy that they picked up off of the Bills practice squad, Isaiah Hodgins. So he didn't have those receivers, which is obviously a huge part of this. His offensive line still wasn't completely fixed, but he had an infrastructure around him that had a healthy Saquon Barkley and a very, very smart coaching staff that put him into a position to have success. That's the first time he's had that in his career, and he was able to have the type of success he had in 2022. But regardless of the fact, Chris, you need to still have that contingency in place. You can't lock up to Daniel Jones long-term because I don't think he's necessarily proven enough at this point of his career to earn a long-term contract. But I think he has earned enough to to get a contract that will pay him substantial amounts of money, but it might not guarantee things five years down the road. Yeah, and that I think also plays into the fact that if the Giants, if Joe Shane and Brian Dayball sign Daniel Jones long-term, they are tying themselves to him. So if Jones winds up being like Mitchell Trubisky or 
being like uh, Andy Dalton, who went to the playoffs a lot, mm-hmm. but was ne- was never able to make it over that hump. It, then, you know, you're, say, three years down the line, they realize, okay, we have we have to start over. They are in year four, year five of their contracts and on the hot seat with an owner who has proven himself to be not terribly patient <laughs> with coaches who are on the hot seat. So th- there are a ton of layers and contingencies and scenarios that the Giants have to think about with respect to Daniel Jones and also Saquon Barkley's free agency. Saquon Barkley. That's a good segue right there, Chris. Let's get into I it. I tried. So- yeah. Ralph Vacchiano had a report earlier this week that said Saquon Barkley during the season, I believe it was, turned down a $12 million contract a year. So AAV of $12 million. I don't know the the numbers in terms of how long the contract was, but $12 million seems very fair to me. If If he were to ask for $12 million, if that contract were to come to him again with maybe different types of stipulations in it, and he signed it, I would be okay with it. Look, I'm I'm never really all about Chris, to be honest, signing running backs who have extensive injury histories who are getting old only getting older, you know, to these long term deals, especially running backs who are so reliant on their athletic ability, like Saquon Barkley. The twelve million puts him at Nick Chubb, Aaron Jones, Joe Mixon money. I think that's fair. I think Saquon Barkley deserves that, right? Christian McCaffrey makes 16, so it's not too far off. He's the top dog in terms of running backs and how much they get paid. But I look at the Ezekiel Elliott contract. I wouldn't want to do that, man. Like The Cowboys do not love that contract, and they signed Zeke at a point when he was still the top dog, and you can see him now. He's not anymore, and he's only 28 years old. He fell off a freaking cliff. He makes $15 million per year. So even with Saquon Barkley, if they let him walk, I think I'm going to be okay with it, which I which I don't love because I know how valuable he is. And if they resign him to something around 12, 13, I think I'll be okay with it with just like a little bit of uneasiness just because I do think these running backs, man, it's precarious investing this much money into them at that point of their careers with all the injuries in the past. What are your thoughts though on this on Saquon Barkley, his future here? You know, I love the player, I love the kid. I think John Mayer will have a say in this as well, as you said a little bit earlier, but it is a little bit precarious, is it not? Yeah, I mean, let's be real. The Giants drafted Saquon Barkley at number two overall to replace Odell Beckham as the face of the franchise. Uh you could see it in a lot of the a lot of the um the press that came out about him around the time of the draft where they talked about his leadership. They talked about how he could be the face of a franchise and be an ambassador for that franchise to the fan base. But you are also completely correct about the, about what happens (laughs) with running backs on those second contracts especially guys like Barkley who have had a pretty extensive lower body injury history and who play as many snaps and take as many hits as Barkley does. Like even, even being relatively healthy this year, we saw Barkley kind of towards the end of the year start to resemble the 2021 version of himself where yet yes he still had 
the long speed where he could run away from defenders, but that the short area quickness and agility that started to fade toward the end of the season. And he was less effective, particularly when defenses started to get more disciplined in defending him. So at 10, $12 million a year. Sure. That, that I think is fair based on what he can do at this point in his career, what he can do as a receiver, what he can do as a runner and who he is as a person, who he is in that locker room. But I could also see if say Mike Kafka winds up with the Houston Texans and they are looking at drafting Bryce Young or CJ Stroud, and they want a star player to go along with him. Yeah, they've got Damian Pierce there. Why not pair him with Saquon Barkley and they offer him $15 million a year to be the face of their franchise and to kind of be a scaffold around their rookie quarterback in that rebuild? Yeah, I could see that happening and I would wish Barkley well down in Houston. It's a business, but I think Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley both want to be back with the New York Giants. And Saquon Barkley even said himself, he's like, I don't want to reset the running back market. I know I've had injuries in the past. I want to be realistic was the term that he used. And I think 12 million is, is realistic. You know, I'm not, I'm not an expert on 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 uh, agents or anything like that, but that seems like somewhat of a fair contract. But you look at Saquon Barkley, he's like, I was a pro bowler. I led the New York Giants. I was tied for the lead in New York Giants in receptions this year with 57, along with Richie James. I think those things can, can definitely help him. But I I do believe that the sides will be amicable. I think the New York Giants want to get a deal done with Daniel Jones. And in terms of Saquon Barkley, I think they'd like to. I don't know how accurate this is, Chris, but I, I just felt like Joe Shane was a, I don't know if effusive is the right word, but he was a bit more certain that Daniel Jones, that he wanted Daniel Jones back. But when Saquon Barkley's name came up, he kind of gave the same runaround, like, oh yeah, we'd like to have him back. But I just, I didn't feel like it was as certain as, as the way he was kind of discussing it with Daniel Jones like a minute prior. And I could be reading into this maybe just a little bit too much. And I really like Saquon Barkley. But if he does want, you know, $15 million and he wants some guarantees and, and wants to be a little bit more long-term, like I, I just don't want this cap to be bogged up with a big running back, big hefty running back contract. And I don't think Joe Shane will do that. But I am certainly open to bringing Saquon Barkley back. And even if it is on a... $12 million a year type of contract, maybe even a little bit more than that. I think I would be okay with it on the whole, even though I don't typically like paying running backs, but Saquon Barkley, I do understand how important he is to this franchise, to this fan base, to John Mara, and to the Giants' chances of winning football games, at least if he can still play at the level that he played in 2022. So I, I think it's going to be a, a fun thing to monitor throughout this uh, throughout this off season is both of these names, Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley, because the direction of this franchise can go in, in just vastly different ways right now, depending on the decisions of Joe Shane in this front office. Yeah, it really can. And I think that the decisions the giants make with respect to Jones, with respect to Barkley, and also with the guys we talked about in the first half, that will go a long way towards determining what this, free agency what this offseason looks like because you have to get through free agency before you can get to the draft and if the Giants are able to plug some holes with free agency uh, maybe solidify their offensive line at least get the general structure of their wide receiving core together 
figure out what they're going to do with the big fish, maybe extend some guys like Andrew Thomas, extend Dexter Lawrence, guys we'll be talking about maybe in other podcasts that I think will really help inform us as to what the Giants will look like in 2023 and what their draft plans are. Yeah, and that's a whole other part of this that you have to bring up. You know Andrew Thomas, Dexter Lawrence, and Xavier McKinney are more than likely going to get contracts soon. Two of those guys, Thomas and Dexter Lawrence, will probably reset their markets. So Joe Shane is obviously aware of that. Kevin Abrams is obviously aware of that. So it should be interesting to see how they handle the Saquon Barkley situation. But Chris, do you have anything else on the impending free agents on the offensive side of the football for the New York Giants? No, I, th- I think that's about it. I I'm very interested to see what happens this weekend with the playoffs because there are still football games being played. Uh, Personally, I'm rooting for the 49ers. I want to see the Eagles go down, and I really want to see Brock Purdy in the Super Bowl. I want to see Mr. Irrelevant starting in the Super Bowl. That that just appeals to the part of me that loves chaos. (laughs) I feel like everybody who isn't in the Philadelphia area wants that or isn't a fan of an NFC West team, but... Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in to the Chris and Nick Show here on Big Blue View Radio. Please head on over to our website, BigBlueView.com, and check out all of our written content extensively covering the New York football giants. And also like, subscribe, comment to the podcast. That really helps us a lot. Wherever you digest this podcast, you could do that. Thank you, everyone, and have a lovely one. The Current Podcast is back with an exciting new season featuring marketing executives from the world's most influential brands. Tune in to hear what's driving conversation in the fast-moving world of digital advertising with unique insights from brands as diverse as Hilton, Instacart, Moderna, Major League Soccer, and more. And in this presidential election season, The Current explores what a national political advertiser like the National Republican Senatorial Committee and a major CPG brand like Hershey can learn from each other. Listen in and subscribe to The Current at thecurrent.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Claude 3 from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point of the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skill and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic.